The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. I am using an audio interface this time. I actually got an audio interface. Ooh. Audio um, interface. That's the word. Um, I call them magic <laughs> boxes. Um, yeah. Which is not helpful. Um, but every time I have to get someone a whole new mic set up for the pod, I always call it a magic box. Um, which is unfortunate <laughs> because everybody I've done uh, distance recording with now, which is starting to become a meaningful number of people, uh, now I'll call it magic boxes, and that's wrong. That's just not even close to right. <laughs> so they're gonna go out into the world and well, say and provide misinformation. It's terrible. I mean, I would say calling it a magic box is better than calling it a uh, like a call calling it by like the brand. You know, mm. you know, because then that associates that there's only one good brand. Yeah, with uh, with the, with that product, which there are many good brands in this day and age. So yes. Oh, I know. meant I wanted to update you about this. This is completely. This got on. This got this jumped my brain because uh, that's <laughs> how I feel about D and D. Is everybody's like they're, they're, it's the only one, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I got Tasha's um, Cauldron of Everything. Okay, which was reported to me by. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, I say like they tell me specifically um, (laughs) (laughs) that it was going to like, you know how you and I have like these trouble with like the races and how crucial they are. Uh Uh-huh. It was reported to me that that would solve the issue. Mm. Um, It does not. Not at least not as much as I'd like. (sighs) Um, Basically what it does is it's like Hey, just you like it basically just says in like a like one like two paragraphs basically in one paragraph it basically says to the G to the DM and the player talk it out figure out whatever you need it's they're just they're just loose rules um here's how you would organize it a little bit like here's what you would swap around um to keep it balanced mechanically um and then they offer basically another race that is just like race neutral. Um, <sighs> yeah, like it's a step uh, forward or whatever. Yeah, but it's like the barest of the bare minimum, you know. It's like the instead of dipping a big toe into the ocean, they dipped their pinky toe into a lake. Yes, they dipped their pinky toe into the lake. Like they didn't address any of any of the any of the real mm-hmm. issues. They just they basically just kicked the kicked the they passed the buck to the players. Basically, you know. Ah, uh, gotcha. And like on the one hand, I'm like, fair enough. But this is what people were doing anyways. You haven't helped anything. Yep. The other ninety nine percent of the book is fantastic, though you know, like great spells, okay. great class options. Like for that, pick it up, I'd say. But like, okay, for for the thing that bugs you and me, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. 
Good to know. Good to I, know. Good I to think know. the best thing it does is it gives a official set of rules that someone could bring to mm-hmm. a dungeon master who may not be super um, appreciative of this. Uh, gotcha. um, or to like a to like a shop table. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Like I think that's maybe the best thing it does, but it does nothing for, for people who are trying to do this anyways. So anyways, gotcha. that is my, that is my D and D update. D and D update. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Hello and welcome to the Dane and Derek show, a podcast where two nerdy friends attempt to keep in touch and uh, talk about the sadness that comes with new D&D releases. My name is Derek Aiello. I'm a writer, director, and occasional D&D player. And with me as always is my buddy, Dane. Hey, I'm Dane. I'm a writer, musician, and lover of tabletop RPGs. And this week on the podcast, we are not talking about Dungeons and Dragons. We are in fact talking about the ancient concept of Ma in media. Yeah. Yeah. And to kick things off, we're going to uh, do a little icebreaker. Um, Dane, what is the first Miyazaki film you like? Because I assume there's more than one that you like that would take the number one slot in your heart. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and the reason we're doing this icebreaker for those who ha- maybe haven't seen the Miyazaki um animated films uh Miyazaki is probably one of my absolute one of the absolute masters of the concept of ma which we will define shortly i think it's going to be my neighbor totoro it's kind of a classic mm. answer but i i i really really love that that um that particular film the, the grace in it mixed with like the childlike wonder is kind of at its peak the character design the the world design the art in it i I just feel it is particularly joyful and Mm -hmm. it plays around uh not only with ma like all of his films do but particularly it plays around with the uh four act structure uh of 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 um of storytelling which is not common in the Western tradition and canon, but is one of my absolute favorites. So it just kind of hits all the, it hits all the, all the, all the, all the, those favorite things of mine. And I feel like in those particular areas, uh, Miyazaki as a director was firing on all canons. Yeah. What about you? Mine uh, is Princess Mononoke. Uh, yeah. It's the first Miyazaki film I, I ever saw mm-hmm. as a kid. My mom would rent it from the Louisville Public Library on VHS and then eventually DVD. And I think for some reason it was like one of the few films that wasn't getting rented very often, probably because it's more adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I basically had it almost every week for at least a year Um, growing up. I remember just watching that film all the time. It's one of those films that as a kid it scares you just enough to make you want to watch it again, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And totally. I think it's, it's, I would say it's the complete opposite in some ways, the complete opposite energy of my neighbor Totoro. Uh, it's, uh, it's close. It's close. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of ma in it. There is a, there is a lot of, of, of space and thinking and thought in it. And 
it's very complex watching it as an adult. I saw it on the big screen last year on my birthday. And I mean, one, seeing that film on the big screen was incredible. But two, seeing it as an adult, uh, you start to realize like just how complicated some of these character relationships are and how complicated people are and how complicated the advancement of society is and mm-hmm. the complicated nature of, you know, uh, government and religion in a lot of ways and the, the, the complicated nature of wanting to do the right thing and trying to please everyone. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a real good time. And then, as always, the the dub is fantastic, just as as good as the as the uh, original language version. You know, like they they really put a lot of work into that, which I I can appreciate. They really really do. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should define Ma. Um, yes, I think a, that's a good idea. I've got it pulled up here. Uh, mm-hmm. Ma is a word in Japanese uh, that basically translates to gap or space, pause, rest, something to that. Um, that degree, but it is specifically uh, the term um, for the Japanese concept of negative space, which in Western tradition art, it's, you know, like if you can imagine like a black and white uh, cartoon panel, like imagine like a peanut strip uh, with like Charlie Brown and all of the characters are in black ink. And then there's the white negative space in the background. Um, it's anything that isn't filled in, essentially. And in traditional Japanese arts and culture, Ma refers to the artistic interpretation of an empty space, often holding as much importance as the rest of an artwork and focusing the viewer on the intention of negative space in an art piece. Uh, so Ma is, takes things a little bit further uh, than the Western traditional use of, of negative space. Like uh, in, in, in our canon, if you, if you, if you, count the United States as, as like part of uh, the continuation of like European art or whatever, um, which is whatever. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we tend to think of negative space as important in regards to making the uh, positive space stand out. Right. Mm-hmm. The idea of Ma is takes it kind of a step further it's not that negative space is important to the um, to to portraying positive space. It is that ma that negative space is just as important to to a work as the positive space. That you need to take as much care in the um, in the negative space as the positive space, and to think of them as separate is. Um, to kind of leave your work half finished in a sense. Um, yeah. Am I, am I missing? Is there something you want to add to, to that definition? Uh, no, I mean, I think another, you know, way you could look at it too. It, it's like a breath, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, like pause a breath in a, in a film, you know, in particular, it can be compared to like a character just sitting still with himself or inhaling and exhaling or taking a second to look a different direction before going another way. It, it can be ma is, is, is a lot like, especially in, in Japanese media and art is a lot more, like you said, it's a lot more than just, you know, 
the fact that it's a white wall with a subject in front of it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So. And, and to be fair, Ma is traditionally by its very nature, really hard to describe in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. and it like, I've heard it described as, you know, the space between notes and music, um, as at, at, at times, um, but the other thing I've uh, maybe that one of the better descriptions I've ever heard of it is by describing its absolute opposite, specifically in film. Uh, Michael Bay's movies are the absolute opposite of Ma. If <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's the best description I've ever heard of it. Um, but you and I have a fondness for this this concept. Um, mm-hmm. and how long have you and I been discussing Ma as like? a thing both in our own works and in works we love. So the first time you and I discussed it, I remember it distinctly. Uh, it was 2014. We had just wrapped shooting bros of the realm and we were talking about the music for the mm. film. Mm. Gotcha. And that's when you brought it up and how you wanted to make music that would allow there to be breaths in the film because it was such a long film. It was the longest film we had made at the time. Yeah. 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 And that was something that you really wanted to try and incorporate in the music. Um, and that was something you told me right before you went off to music school. Um, and that was, I think the first time you and I talked about it. Uh, and then have we've since, you know, we talk about, we, we've literally talked about it every year. It's multiple times, every time we saw each other. Mm-hmm since then so at least six six seven years we've been talking about this and i think you've been practicing it in your work consciously a lot longer than i have i've only just sort of noticed that a lot of my work naturally had a lot of those pauses those gaps those moments and when i was in film school especially i remember being annoyed that I would constantly get notes to cut out a lot of those gaps and breaths. <laughs> and that's yeah. when I realized, Oh, I've been employing Ma this whole time. I just was, I wasn't, I, I was, you know, naturally like, okay, I want the character to breathe here. I want the character to sigh here. I was writing that in the script mm-hmm. and people were like, you should cut that out. That's bad. You know, that's bad screenplay writing. And I was like, but, but, but it's important that they take 30 seconds to just breathe. But Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important in my opinion. It's important for the audience. It's important for uh, like the characters in the story. Um, <clears throat> and I find I find myself discussing it very often, particularly with you, because I am so frequently, so often, kind of desperate for it. You know, like <laughs> it's not um, it's not a common concept, you know? And like, I'm thinking about like episodic, uh, like episodic, uh, storytelling sometimes mm-hmm. when done well, like a whole episode of something could be ma, you know, like a, a real breath, but like it adds so much, um, to take these moments of stillness where the actual story in a film, we're going to be talking mostly about film and TV today. Um, to take these moments to, to really slow down because everything, everything needs it. If you, if you ask me, um, it's why Michael Bay, like I can't really remember a Michael Bay film, you know, but I know mm-hmm. I saw it, you know, like, I, right. Uh, it, it so much happened that I never got a chance to let anything sink in. Maybe my favorite film 
use of use of 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 ma in a film actually doesn't come from miyazaki uh despite his masterful use of it in fact i like so much of his films like his films in some ways you could be like described as almost like 60 percent ma and 40 percent not um <laughs> is actually um in the original star wars in episode four uh luke goes out of the house and stands on a hill and watches the twin sunset. Mm. All that That's happens is yeah. yeah, all that happens is the orchestra swells. There's no dialogue. Nothing practical gets advanced with the plot in those like 20 30 seconds. But it's arguably the most iconic point in the film because we had we got so much. Like think about how that movie starts. That movie starts with like space battle and then shootouts and then escape and then like lost in the desert and then you know we're introduced to our main character finally um <laughs> you know like yeah. so much happens and then you like you as an audience need a breath and in that moment not only do you get to understand who luke is and what like the feeling of the film is but you also get the moment to like process everything that's happened already and then you're ready for the next thing you know it's gorgeous it's beautiful and i i'm i'm constantly looking for it in film and television because i don't think it's i think that there are there are some mediums that are very accustomed to ma just naturally i would think of like poetry as maybe the most ma full mm. um uh medium i could think of right off the top of my head mm-hmm. um and i think certain forms of film and television are particularly opposed to it like culturally like in the in the culture of the people who make them you like you were talking about how often you were asked to cut things when we were working with the boulder national film festival um one i don't know if you remember this piece of advice but it's super stuck with me and i still kind of like i kind of hold with it in some ways is like leave like you're always supposed to leave your your audience wanting more you don't want to have have something bloated especially in film you want to cut and cut and cut down to like the core story right right and that philosophy it has a lot of um merits to it right Mm -hmm. but i think that that philosophy um when taken to an to an kind of like kind of an extreme or not even an extreme just kind of like that philosophy often wants to cut ma out because it doesn't on its surface seem important right it seems like a like what I think that advice is supposed to talk about is, you know, don't try and wrap everything up in seven minutes, you know, leave a little bit, you know, I think that advice is supposed to encourage people to slow down, Mm -hmm. but instead it it makes them think they have to speed everything up. Yes. Yeah. Like there's a difference between cutting everything you possibly could versus the feeling of, um, Versus the feeling of cutting everything that is not needed, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're so often taught that if something isn't happening, it's immediately boring. Or like, Correct. I think in film and and television, partially because they have such their their goal is such a wide audience, um, there is a fear of losing your of your audience of boring them, you know. Correct. Yeah, there was that study that 
so uh, I remember in like 20, like when we, when we were in high school, there was that study that just came out about how people our age only have attention spans that last, you know, 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was starting to be reflected in movies, especially. You could see, you know, within 10 seconds, you know, a, a scene could cut eight times. You know, that's a second every, you know, a, a second about, about a, you know, one shot per second. And that's an insane amount of cuts for something. But, you know, when you cut, your eye has to readjust and your brain has to reprocess the information. So mm-hmm. inadvertently, by cutting that much, you're mind is constantly engaged but i think that ma and using negative space in film you can do the exact same thing but you have to you know compose a frame that where there's both something in the negative space to observe and something in the positive space to observe which i think a lot of western film doesn't really think about uh you know, they, they, they're not, there's, there isn't a lot of necessary, there isn't necessarily a lot of composition that is going into crafting a frame that is interesting no matter what angle you look at it. And mm-hmm. I think with the nice part about Ma is that like you were saying earlier with like when, uh, when Luke watches the, the twin sons set, you get a moment to breathe and process the space battle and his struggle that you just saw moments earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think having that time to process is just as important as cutting to a new scene to force the brain to kick, you know, the understanding juices back up, you know? Right. And I, the other thing is like, if you're constantly, if you're constantly in motion, how do you make contrast? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the yeah. other, that's the other thing is like, if if you're constantly moving, always, always, always moving, how do you ever get the moment? Like, how do you make anything feel more, like more intense? Or how do you up the ant? Like, you can't go much faster. You right, like right. unless you like slow down. E- yes, like if you if you haven't slowed down earlier, like how loud? Like music doesn't sound loud un- without there have been quiet first, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, like, I, I, I think about Ma in, like, a couple of, like, because, like, art and film in particular, because it has so many layers, like, your positive and negative space in that are operating on different layers at all times, right? Like, mm-hmm. like let's, let's go back to, like, Luke standing at the sunset. Like, Ma is operating on a storytelling level, right? Like, narratively, not a lot is happening right like not a lot mm-hmm. of story capital s like and then he went to the store and then he went home like the exact plot beats is not happening right mm-hmm. and <clears throat> relative to the very visually impressive space battle um that occurs at the very beginning of the film which also uses beautiful ma in like a strictly image sense because of like my memory of it is like planet blackness and then boom boom ship right like and then you get like yeah all that contrast also a good use of ma right but mm-hmm. back to the other scene um compared to that while a gorgeous couple of shots not a lot is going on so that's also in the negative space but on the other hand 
the score's going crazy, you know, like, yeah, um, like, and so like the thing about, about it, about all of these layers that are happening in um, film and television is that because there are all the layers, you can be pulling back and pushing forward at the same time, which is kind of incredible in its own way. And, but you can't do that, right? Like I'm thinking about like Marvel movies off the top of my head, right? Uh, yes. Like it's so rare that like the score of a Marvel movie gets to shine because it can't distract from what's happening, you know, like, because it won't, because mm-hmm. the Marvel movies rarely slow down. Yep. Um, they're very, very evenly paced akin to the, to the prequels in terms of pacing, like the Star Wars prequels in terms of that, that kind of pacing. Yes. Yes. You know, they're, they're like stage plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, like, in, in, well, stage plays in a, in a sense of like, I mean, stage plays are great. Don't, don't get me wrong, but like stage plays in the sense of there's a very clear sort of format in terms of when the scene is allowed to break, you know, and cut well, to black. By like stage plays, do you mean kind of like um like in like the Greek tragedy comedy sense where it's very yes. like it's like very regimented? Yes, that that that's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like the idea of like, and now I can predict that and we have hit the rising action. Like you can almost like it's for me it's formulaic almost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I hear I hear what you're saying. And and yeah, I think I think it's 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 um it requires some It requires some artistic maturity, I think, mm-hmm. to not be afraid to slow down and be quiet in a sense. Mm. Like, okay, I have, I, I, have a, I have a personal story that I'll share about, about this. So I went out to a, it was like maybe the last concert I went to before the coronavirus. Gracie and I, my, my partner, she and I went to a concert um, for a band called The Score. Oh, um, I love that band. Gracie is a huge fan and she's kind of pulled me along. They're not like my favorite favorite, but there are a few songs that just, man, do they move? Anyways, not, not important. Um, <laughs> it is important, but it's not important. Anyways, we go and there are two opening acts and we get there right early because I love going to shows and seeing all the openers. Like I'm not a huge fan of like arriving to a concert about an hour late and having missed them. Um, and the first band was really, really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. they were great performers. Their music was not that good. Like it just, it just wasn't great performers though. Made, made a huge, huge impact on the crowd. Um, blast, real blast. Like they made enough of an impact in their performance that, uh, the next day I pulled up their music on Spotify and found myself deeply disappointed. Um, cause Mm -hmm. I was like, this music is like, meh, it doesn't even live up to their performance. Right. Like shoot. Um, <clears throat> the next band that played, uh, and I have, I, I'll have to look these band names up right later, but, um, they were technically very, very, very good. Like the music was great and the band knew it. You know what I mean? Mm, they mm. were a lot of, there was a lot of ego, uh, but, but the unifying between these two openers is they never quieted down. And Gracie looked at me and she said, man, I love the score, but like those two bands were awesome. I, I don't even know how, like, how can like they, they, they hype up even past where we are right now. And I looked at her and I said, I bet you anything that the way they're going to do it is they will play a quiet song at some point in their set. Or at least like relative to the genre, mm-hmm. it's a, it's kind of like a pop punk, 
um, alt kind of style. So it doesn't really get that quiet, even when it's quiet. Right. Um, yeah. But I was like, I, I bet you anything that they'll get quiet so that they can bring the intensity back up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, and if they do that, it shows that they have way more maturity as a, as an artist, as artists. Um, and I was right. Like five songs in, they quieted way down and then they brought the house down at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And just to kind of go off of that, uh, the, the lead singer and writer of the lyrics for, and music of the mountain goats um, said that it takes a lot of maturity for you to write a quiet song and expect that your audience will listen and come along with you or not expect. Yeah. I can't remember if he said expect or, or trust that the audience will come along, will lean in to hear you. Right. Yeah. I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Uh, like you can expect that if they're going that that if they've paid money or have showed up to listen to this or see this, they're going to stick around for it. Mm-hmm. But you also have to trust that, they are going to show up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. And I and I think I, I wonder about how you feel about Ma in film and television in the sense that I wonder how you feel about the the kind of apparent dearth of it, like the the lack. Like, how does that make you feel as an artist? Like you were talking about um struggling to get people to like not force you to cut out stuff that was important like yeah do you feel like you're constantly in uh like are you constantly like advocating for ma in a way yeah yeah i have to really advocate to not compress things Mm -hmm. um or if i'm going to advocate for a certain moment i don't want to be compressed then i have to trade it for another moment that maybe can be compressed and that makes not my job harder but it does make the challenge interesting because sometimes like when you're writing it on a page you have no idea where these sort of nice beats are going to be Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes you do um sometimes you do sometimes i very clearly know where i want these beats to be but sometimes they can surprise you um like working on this short film right now you know, we realize we need one more shot to add a little bit more of a pause during this one scene that we thought was already really slow, but it's actually a little too fast. And it's mm-hmm. this moment of a character in their car checking their phone, and we need another shot of the phone because the one we have isn't long enough. Um, and, you know, that, that that's something that is like, ah, oh, darn. <laughs> uh, like... I can't believe we didn't get that. But at the time, you know, on the page, it was just, oh, it's just a quick shot of the phone. It's, you know, it's not that big a deal. But yeah, I, I, I think I've, I, I think Ma, especially, I think Ma on like a blockbuster scale, on a tentpole movie scale is really hard to come by. And the likelihood of us seeing a film at that level that is made here in America that is all Ma is very unlikely, but you know, there's, you know, now with like streaming, you know, it's become a lot more accessible to watch like 
media outside of the United States. And mm-hmm. a lot of films outside of the United States have Ma. Uh, a lot of films, a lot more films than I thought. And especially a lot of independent films. I'm noticing sort of a trend in independent films to have moments of breath, moments of silence, and moments of uh, just reflection for a character. Um, which, so I, I think naturally, I think sort of the community is starting to feel that. But, you know, here in America, it's like, instead of cutting to a nice ma shot, it ends up being like the end, like the tail end of a shot where an actor did something interesting, you know? So it's yeah. not quite, it's not quite ma, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of a, an actor did something cool, so let's leave it in instead of a, let's compose a scene at a breather. Um, but for instance, I was watching Columbus, a film I think I've recommended you to, to watch. I believe you have, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's like my eighth time watching it. That film is loaded with Ma, Ma to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one scene that for a long time I thought was just a cutaway to a building. But then I realized in like the bottom like left corner of the screen, there's John Cho, like the main character, walking with sunglasses on. I never would have noticed that, but he he's there. He's just very tiny because the focus of, you know, the... Because the negative space, so to speak, is the architecture of this hospital, and it's a it's a really great scene. And like the first time you see it, you don't notice John Cho, so you're just like, "Wow, that's a really pretty, it's a really pretty building." Mm-hmm. And then it moves on to, to to the next moment, but it's a it's a it was a cool realization to notice on like my eighth or ninth rewatch um, that it was it wasn't just a cutaway to create space or to give a breath. There was a character there and it was driving the story forward. Even if I didn't outwardly see it, I still felt it. And I think that that like, like the twin sun setting is a, is a great use of Ma in terms of moving the story without the audience realizing you've moved the story. Yeah. And something that I find particularly important about Ma in the sense that we we keep talking about this like space for the audience to breathe. Right. Um, You know, like Ma also is this space for interpretation, which I think Mm. is really important. Like if you don't have space, you can't interpret something from, uh, from, from the film or from, the show you're watching right like i i often think about it this way as like you can go if you go watch a sunset you will probably have some sort of emotional reaction of some kind you know like Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe you you see it and it's beautiful and it feels like a celebration of life or maybe you're in a bad place and you look at it and it feels like the end of all things right Mm -hmm. but you can't but maybe that's the exact same sunset and that's two different people having completely different reactions to said sunset, right? Like something's happening, but they both have this space, this quiet moment in which to have an interpretation. You take that time away and they can't be there to have that interpretation, right? Yeah. Like if we go, like let's use the twin suns since sunset right there and we've been talking about it the whole time. We are not told in that moment what Luke is thinking. 
And because we're given a moment to think about it, everybody has a slightly different reaction to it. And in that way, it becomes more personal, more connected to you as the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of um, importance there. I want to, I real quick, I want to hit on two things because I know we're starting, okay. we're getting close to time. So <laughs> two things I want to hit on first. Um, what do you think are some unique to television and film ma things? Like what are ways that you can do something with ma or add ma to these mediums that you cannot do in others? And then other great, just a couple great examples of, of ma that people could go check out like films, films and TV shows that have really lovely use of it that people should go look. We've given a couple in here, but just like a couple more. Hmm. Uh, okay. Um, this is probably the most fresh example in my mind, but I just finished watching this Chinese drama called Nirvana and fire Mm -hmm. in English. Um, you can watch it for free on the internet. Just type in Nirvana and in fire. And it's about a, it's, it's about this like strategist that comes to the capital to help his childhood best friend become the emperor, uh, unbeknownst to that best friend. And there's a huge emphasis on making tea and taking medicine and, um, sort of like these patterns within the show of like bowing, of walking to a place, of going to the palace. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these like rituals are really ingrained into sort of these conversations that you get to witness. And there's moments in which they'll they'll fade to black. There's moments in which they'll cut away. And at the end of the episode, you'll 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 sort of get that that sort of like relief of tension. Mm-hmm. But usually it's at the end of, of every episode, there will be kind of a breath and then the episode will fade out. And in that sense, it, in, the, in the use of television, it's used to relieve or create tension in a way that, that like a lot of like Western television will fade to black because it's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these episodes fade to black because that conversation's finished and it's time to have a new conversation. Almost always the episode that follows it, the conversation does not pick up where that conversation left off. It picks up in a different, in the same scene, but a different topic entirely. And it's sort of a way to transition us out of one mood and thought into another. And that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, great show. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, and then in film, um, um, there was a great short film I watched in film school that was about it was about a couple and one person in the couple gets sick and you know starts to pass away effectively mm-hmm. and the f- entire film was done with just showing places that they've been without them in it and there's of course voiceover that kind of you know it, there, there's like voiceover to like as if the, as if they were sitting there like what it would sound like if they were talking but if you were to take away that audio and just see these sort of places you know you'd sort of by the end of that be able to kind of draw your own conclusions to that story mm-hmm. and so in a way the the visual medium can you know regardless of what subject is there it can instill a sense of because like unlike any other medium where you can like, you know, 
show a visual or craft a visual through words. In a film, when you show a visual, the audience can imprint or project whatever feelings they have onto it versus if they were to read it or hear it, it, it becomes very clear like what it's kind of aimed to be with the with the words that are used or and I guess to some extent to like what's how you know how it's colored and all that and like what sort of props are there but in a sense because it's empty you can kind of fill the void with whatever you are feeling you know mm-hmm. for sure yeah I will give I will give a brief TV and brief film television uh I would go check out the um the anime series Mushishi, uh, Cowboy Bebop, or Noragami. All of mm-hmm. them have beautiful uses of Ma in completely different ways. And mm-hmm. uh, Mushishi is like another one of those uh, pieces of, me- of, 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 of art that is like 60% ma. So it's really easy to see <laughs> Uh cowboy bebop does like a very Western style story of like gangsters, space, sci-fi action, bounty hunting, but manages to put the ma in there in a really beautiful way. And Noragami is kind of in a lot of ways, like a really traditional for lack of a better term, battle anime Uh in the, in, so much so that like it shares almost like a nearly uh nearly identical uh like dna with a very popular and famous uh, anime shonen jump called bleach and mm. but noragami never strays away from ma and in that way stays way moodier and uh far more um mature in a way uh, oh. though it still of course has some flaws as do it does everything film wise i will give a western popular film that i actually think does ma really really well the original rocky oh there yeah. are so many scenes of rocky just kind of walking down the streets you yeah. know like there's so much yeah. of that that is just you know yeah. like calm right like and rocky mm-hmm. is in some ways maybe this is just my own opinion but like in some ways rocky is almost like the birth of the training montage right oh yeah i think the training montage is a is a use of ma in a way right because you're taking away dialogue you're taking away like uh like super clear story like like common storytelling right um and you're basically like setting a period of time to music to condense it. So you're drawing back on these other things to push these other, to push uh, different parts of the film forward to create a particular feeling and accomplish a task of showing change over time quickly. Um, So even though it's like the training montage in Rocky has like a very boisterous soundtrack, I actually think it's a moment of like Ma where you can just kind of reflect on all of the drama of the earlier parts of the film and just enjoy some like what's happening around you, you know? Yeah. 100%. That's, that's a really good, that's a really great example. I, 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 th- I thought so. <laughs> yeah. I love no, that yeah, movie. That, yeah. It's um, a great film. Uh, it's yeah. funny. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. They had never seen Rocky, any of the Rocky films. And I was like, you should at least watch the first one. You should watch the first one. 
I think that you should watch Rocky Balboa, which is like the last one. Yep. Um, I think Creed is worth your time too. Yes. I'm 100% on Creed. I still need to watch Creed 2. It's still on my list. I have not seen Creed 2. Mm. But anyways, any thoughts on like a thing that you can do for Ma, like to create Ma in film and television that you can't do in another medium? Um, I mean, in film, it, it, it's really hard to get the, the sound. Like, I'm sure it's hard to write the sound of what a sigh is mm-hmm. in terms of words. You know, in a script, it's just they let out a big sigh. But in film, you know, a big sigh is, you know. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> And that can be interpreted so many different ways. And I think when you see it, instead of just hearing it or reading it, when you see, you know, the, the sound in conjunction, in conjunction with the, with, with the physical nature of it, mm-hmm. that's another way I think of, of how an actor can bring Ma to a scene that maybe wasn't intended before, you know? Yeah. I, if I were to say, if I were to give film a, way it can do something with Ma that no other medium has, I think mm-hmm. it's with cuts or the lack thereof. Mm. I yeah. think with that, you can create a certain space, positive or negative, that no other medium can can accomplish. Like the thing that immediately th- sprang out for me, and I'll, I'll use, it, it's, it's both our Marvel properties. Like if you think about some of like the MCU fight scenes, and think about uh-huh. how positive space heavy they are with all the cuts and it's like hard to follow. And then if you think about the hallway fight from the very first season of Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. Oh uh, yeah. It's using Ma giving space by not making cuts mm-hmm. to bring attention and focus to something, right? And that can mm-hmm. only be accomplished. That can only be accomplished with film because up until that point, it's a pretty standard, like lots of cuts, normal amount of cuts for a show, right? Like, right. And then they stopped, and it gave this amazing contrast. And I think that's amazing. And I think that yeah. can only be done in film and television. You are correct. You are correct. <sighs> Good stuff. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, I don't have anything else. <laughs> no, 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 I'm there. I mean, I could keep going, but we have two more weeks of this. So yeah. like, I, yeah. I, I can't keep going until I st- we jump ships hard to different, <laughs> to different mediums. Uh, but you yeah. should leave those pauses in very ma. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, all things considered, I, I think this was definitely the most, uh, the flow was pretty on point this episode. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Also, we didn't really talk about D and D. We didn't, didn't do really. it. We didn't do it. Yep. Ah, maybe next yeah. week. <laughs> probably next week, or probably the week after. Uh, probably the week after next week. Maybe we'll find <laughs> out. Yeah. Alrighty, everybody. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, you can see what movies I'm watching on Letterboxd at Derek Aiello, and conveniently, and conveniently, I'm also at Derek Aiello everywhere else. Dane. 
Where can we find you searching for Ma in your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dane underscore Fogdahl, and you can listen to my show Diceology, which is like the science of dice, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And honestly, if this whole conversation about Ma and space uh, doesn't sound interesting to you, um, I don't think you should look up my work. I, I'm going to be 100% honest there. <laughs> I don't think you'll like it, and I'm not going to take offense to that, and I don't think any less of you for that. Um, that's just It's just probably true. <laughs> You know, that is a fair thing to put out there. Uh, but hey, you know, Dev, if you if you if you want a very obvious example and you want to see Ma being, you know, played upon, definitely check out his podcast so you can see it and get a taste for it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hope anyway. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Catch you later. 